Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Max Licato. Max Licato is a speaker and best-selling author. He also serves as pastor to Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. His passion for people and ministry is made clear through his written work and through his relatable messages for people from all walks of life. And now, Max Licato will unpack how the troubles you might face don't have to control your world. He'll describe how grace can dethrone your fears and wipe away the terror of uncertainty. Let's dive into the message. What was the most common command to come from the lips of Christ? The most frequently mentioned command? That's one of my favorite questions. And whenever I ask it, I get just all kinds of answers. Someone always says, love your neighbor. Someone says, love God with all your heart. Forgive your enemy. Pray. And certainly these are the great commands, and these are commands that come from Christ. But did you know that there is one command that appears far and above more often than any other single command? You know what it is? Don't be afraid. He said it in stormy seas. Don't be afraid. He said it to the father of a dying girl. Don't be afraid. Even in a cemetery, he was prone to say, now, don't be afraid. More than any other command, Jesus had to always remind his followers, now, don't be afraid. You think we could use that reminder today? They're talking layoffs at work. They're talking slowdowns in the economy. They're talking environmental issues. I mean, every day seems to bring new reasons to be afraid, doesn't it? It's like fear is the big bully and it's moved in on the block and it's marching up and down the sidewalk, stirring nothing but anxiety and unrest. Maybe you're afraid. Can you imagine your life without fear? Can you imagine just, just one day of no fear? What if you could take a vacuum cleaner to your heart and just suck all the fear out of it? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? You know, I think it's possible. And I believe that one of the gifts of God's grace is courage. We're going to look at a couple of verses that help us to see that one of the attributes of grace is security and confidence in knowing that God's grace is going to take care of us. I have some good friends who really needed some courage recently. My friend Kyle Sheets is a medical doctor. And every year he takes doctors to Zimbabwe where they perform surgeries for underprivileged patients. He's not only set out to treat the needy, but he has raised a family that treats the needy. And on this particular occasion, his daughter, Heather, 
was with him in Zimbabwe. And the two were treating patients. And in between cases, Heather noticed that there was a cut on her father's hand. And she knew that many of the patients that day had been infected by the AIDS virus. And she knew exactly what that meant. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to begin taking the antiretroviral medication because he knew the side effects, but there was really no alternative. And so he began taking the medications that would protect him. Well, sure enough, for the next 10 days, Kyle became one of the sickest patients at the compound. So sick, in fact, that they had to move up their departure date. So sick, in fact, that by the time they reached the airport to leave, Heather, the daughter, was honestly beginning to wonder if her father was going to make it home alive. His fever was at 104.5. They recognized that his liver was beginning to shut down. But they had no choice except to get him on the plane and just pray that he would survive the transatlantic flight. Now, Heather has been caring for her father at this point for over 10 days. She's not slept much. She's utterly exhausted. Graciously, he dozed off as the plane was taking off. And she went into the restroom and she closed the door and she fell on the floor in a fetal position and she just prayed. She was so tired and she was so afraid that her father was not going to make it. She prayed. She doesn't remember how long she stayed on the floor, but what she does remember is that eventually there was a knock at the bathroom door. And she stood and she splashed water in her face and she, she opened the door. Two gentlemen were standing there and they said, what's wrong? And she explained to him, she said, well, my father's a doctor. Uh, he, he may have come in contact with the AIDS virus. We're treating it, but now his liver is shutting down. But then she said, but that's okay. I'm a doctor too, and I'm going to take care of him. Well, the faces of the two men brightened up. And they said, well, we're doctors. We can help you. And not only are we doctors, but on this flight, there are 96 doctors. <laughs> and we're all from Mexico, and we have been over here on a special study project, and we're all returning now, routing our trip to the United States. We will keep an eye on your father. What a great story. Not only did God send her one doctor, he literally filled the plane with physicians. She finally felt good enough to take a nap, and when she awoke, her father, Kyle, was standing up in the care of the other physicians. He still ICU level sick, but he was on his feet, and he has long since recovered now and moved on with his life. But I've always treasured that story as an example of how God takes care of his people, how he loves to be invited into problems. And then when he responds, he responds not just one doctor, but he fills a plane with doctors. This is consistent with the whole theme of grace. That grace means not only does God save us initially, preserve us eternally, but that he takes care of us completely while we are on this earth. Do you remember the great hymn, Amazing Grace? And do you remember the line that John Newton wrote, 
Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. This is the message of grace, and that is that grace will take us home. His Holy Spirit will indwell us. His angels will encircle us. His word will direct us. His church will strengthen us. His blessed Son will intercede for us in prayer. The Apostle Paul understood this. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Paul wrote, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says that God permitted him to have a thorn in his flesh. Now that's vivid imagery. Have you ever had a thorn in your flesh? I mean, literally a physical thorn in your flesh. It doesn't feel good, does it? It cuts, it pricks, it sticks. And every step of life is a reminder of the thorn in the flesh. Now, I'd like for you just to think about this question. What's the thorn that God has permitted to come into your life? What's the thorn? I don't want us to dwell on on negative things, but our sovereign God at times permits challenges to come into our lives, not because he does not love us, just the opposite, because he does love us. And he uses these challenges to develop us. So the thorn in your flesh might be the sorrow in your heart, the child in rehab, the red ink on the ledger, the felony on your record, the craving for alcohol, the tears in the middle of the night, That's the thorn in your flesh. And you, like the Apostle Paul, say, God, take this away. Please take it away. And like the Apostle Paul, you pray not once, not twice. You pray three times, or maybe you prayed a thousand times. But God's answer to you is, I'm not going to take the struggle yet, but I am going to give you this. I'm going to give you grace to meet the struggle. I brought you to it and I'm going to see you through it. And I'm going to use this struggle to strengthen you, to develop you. My grace is sufficient for you. The word grace here takes on a new dimension. We typically, when we think grace, we think salvation. And well, we should, because that is the great gift that God gives us. But God doesn't just limit grace to mean salvation. He also uses it here to describe protection and provision, that He will meet us on those transatlantic flights when we're crying out to Him from the bathroom, when we're weary and worn in those difficult hours, that He will meet us. Not that you'll never have a thorn, but that I'll give you strength to hold up when the thorn comes. Would you just take a second and receive that from God? Let it go down deep in your spirit and begin to take root. Here's the promise he gives to you. Not a problem-free life, but courage to face your problems. Of course, we'd all love a problem-free life, but folks, it ain't going to happen. It's a fallen world in which we live. Other people are messing it up. Sometimes we mess it up. 
So to remove all the problems, God would have to remove free choice, and He's not going to do that. But He does give us courage to face our problems. And you can say right now in your heart and hear the Spirit of God say to you, you're going to have enough courage to face whatever comes. Because the promise of God here is His grace will be, what was the word? Sufficient. Sufficient. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and answer this question, but have you ever written a check on insufficient funds? <laughs> we don't like that word insufficient because that suggests that there wasn't enough in the account to cover the check. The reason we grow afraid, the reason that we have to have Jesus tell us to not be afraid, is that down deep within us, there is a part of us that says, well, is there sufficient courage? Is there sufficient provision? Is there sufficient faith? Is there enough? Or someday, am I going to go to God with one prayer that is simply too big for Him to answer? Am I going to go to God with one request that is too mighty, even for God? The response through the Apostle Paul is never. Never. You will never ask God too much. You never will. Take a sponge. Take it out to Lake Erie, one of the five great lakes. Take it and plunge it down into the water. Will you absorb all the water out of that lake? You'll sooner absorb all of a lake into a sponge than you will expire the grace of God to meet your needs. Take a thimble out to the Pacific Ocean. Dip that thimble down into the water. Will you drain the ocean of its fluid? You'll sooner empty the Pacific Ocean than you will begin to have any impact upon the level of God's strength. You see, when God comes to you, my friend, he comes not just with grace, but He comes with what the gospel writer John says is grace upon grace, grace upon grace, grace upon grace. I grew up in West Texas, and I say that because when I tell you my understanding of the ocean as a young boy, you won't believe me unless you understand I grew up in a place where there was very little water. But I had two uncles who lived in California. And at the age of 10, we drove to visit them. I had never seen the ocean before. I was 10 years of age. I had never seen the ocean before. I'd never seen a wave, except for a little wave in a pond. I'd never seen a wave. And I remember the first time I stood on the beach, what amazed me was not just one wave, but the regularity of the waves, how they just kept coming, how they just kept coming how they just kept coming. I mean, one would slap the sand, and then I'd look up, and here would come another. And I can remember just saying, now, how does that work? <laughs> That's a picture of God's grace. And we stand before the goodness of God, and it just drenches us. It covers us. It leaves us soaked, head to toe. And we're just shaking it off and looking up, and here comes God's goodness again. And it splashes us again. And we just kind of pull ourselves together and think, thank you, Lord. And we look up, and He's good again. 
He just keeps coming at us, just keeps coming at us. We will never expire the goodness of God. Why? Because at His core, God is good. That's who God is. He doesn't have to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be good today. He doesn't make that decision. That is His nature. That is His character. And so to know God is to know His abundance. To know God is to know His grace. And that is why you can face your tomorrow with courage. Oh, we need to think about God's goodness, don't we? We need to think about His strength. My father was an oil field mechanic. And as a result, he developed some pretty good muscles because he was always working with his arms and his back. And I remember as a youngster, I loved to feel my dad's muscles. You know, he'd pop his pecs and I'd put my hand up there. I'd bring my buddies over and I'd say, come feel my dad's muscles. My children never asked to feel my muscles for some reason. <laughs> but I remember I loved to feel my dad's muscles. I could put my hand on that little, you know, cantaloupe on his, on his arm there and it just made me feel good. Why? Because there's something about feeling your father's strength that gives you courage. Now, some of you are facing fears today. I want to encourage you to get your eyes off of your fears and get them onto your father's strength. As long as you're focused on your fears, your fears are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you turn and you look at the grace of God and you realize that nothing is ever going to come your way that he cannot resolve, how he can fill an airplane full of doctors if necessary, then you will find that you will discover courage as well. One of the verses that explains this is Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously, there's our word, graciously or happily, kindly, give us all things? Another great question. Having given us his son, having given us Jesus Christ, having given us the greatest gift of all, how can God not but then give us all the smaller things in life? He has proven his devotion to us. He has proven that he will take care of us. And so the next time you are anxious, the next time you're wondering, will God meet this need? Will I be able to face this challenge? Take those questions to Calvary. Take those questions to the cross. And look at Jesus as he hangs on the cross. Look at the nails in his hand. Look at the blood on his face. Look at the wound in his side. And then ask those questions. In the shadow of Calvary, Paul says, having given his son for you, the greatest gift, how can he help but lavish upon you all other gifts? He has declared once and for all that he is with you. He has declared once and for all that he is for you. In the verse prior to Romans 8, 32, in verse 31, Paul asked the great question, If God is for us, who can be against us? No, he does not just say, who can be against you? You can answer that one. Disease, inflation, corruption, exhaustion. If Paul's question was just, who can be against me? Well, 
there wouldn't be a lot of hope in that. But here's what Paul says. If God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? Indulge me for just a minute, will you? Will you say this phrase with me out loud? No matter where you're watching this lesson, if you're in a living room or a church or right here in our room, I want to encourage you to say this phrase, God is for us, out loud. We're going to say it four times. And each time we're going to emphasize a different word. First, we're going to say God is for us. Then God is for us. And we're just going to work our way down this. I want you to live beneath the promise of this phrase. Shall we? Let's do it. God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. Which of those words do you like the most? It's hard to pick, isn't it? What a wonderful comfort to know that God is for us. That God is for us. That the greatest, truly the only force in the universe is for you. Now, maybe your parents were not for you. Or maybe your boss isn't for you. And maybe sometimes you feel like the government is not speaking up for you. We all have those feelings. But God trumps all of those feelings of weakness and insecurity by saying, but I'm for you. I'm for you. Not just my angels, not just my apostles, not just my teachers, not just my evangelists, but really I am for you. God is for us. This is the promise of the Bible. Not that God was for us a long time ago in the Garden of Eden and then we blew it and He's not for us any longer. Just the opposite, that God is for us. He is right now. He is interceding for you. He is caring for you. He is providing for you. He is for you. He is for you. Do you know if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> if he carried a wallet, your picture would be inside it. The Bible says that he is in engraved our names on the palm of his hands. I love my three daughters. I love them. But I don't think I've ever engraven their names on the palm of my hands. God loves his children so much that whenever he just looks at his hands, he wants to see your name. And he's got big hands. And your name is there. He wants to ask, can a mother forget the child at her breast? Even if she could, he said, I will not forget you. What a question. I remember when my wife was feeding our daughters when they were infants. I can't imagine saying, honey, now who is that child that you're nursing? And she says, oh, I don't know. It's just some child. That would never happen. Isaiah says, can a mother do that? No, but even if she could, God says, I'll never forget you. He is for you. He is for us. I appreciate the fact that that's a plural statement. He's for all of us. We all belong to him. We're all his children. And he is for us. 
and everything He is doing is working together to bring all of us to the point where He will save us to be with Him for all of eternity. Can I just encourage you to let this grace of God dethrone all your fears, every one of them. You know, fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. I mean, thanks to fear, we don't cross a busy street. <laughs> you know, thanks to fear, we don't eat certain foods that could harm us. A certain amount of fear is good for us. A certain amount of fear is good for us. The challenge is that most of us take in too much fear. We just take in too much. Here's the rule of thumb. When fear knocks at the door, you listen to what fear says. But don't invite fear in for dinner. Let fear do its work. Let it awaken you. But rather than focus on the fear, you focus on your heavenly Father. When I was a kid, my dad let me watch a movie once that he later regretted letting me watch. It was called Wolfman. I was maybe six or seven years of age, and he let me watch Wolfman. Boy, did he live to regret that. Because from then on, I became convinced that Wolfman lived inside our living room. And the problem was, in order to go to the kitchen from my bedroom, which I was prone to do in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, I had to go right past the couch where Wolfman lived. One night I was so afraid that I went into my father's bedroom and I woke him up. I said, Dad, you've got to come and help me. He said, what's wrong? I said, there's a wolf man in the living room. I can remember him shaking his head, but patiently getting up. And I grabbed a hold of the back of his T-shirt as he walked through the living room. You know what? He wasn't afraid one minute. He wasn't afraid at all. He just walked right through the living room. He got me a glass of water, and I drank that water, and I looked at my, my dad, and I thought, what kind of man is this? <laughs> He's not afraid of wolf man. I think that God looks upon our fears the way that my father looked upon my wolf man angst. He's understanding. He's patient. But he often says, now, why are you afraid? There's really no need you to be afraid. Can I encourage you to let God's grace be enough to face your fears? Haven't your fears taken enough joy already? Haven't they robbed enough sleep? Haven't they taken enough hope out of your life? No more. Lying in the sand. Take a stand. Today, I'm going to lean into God's grace. His grace is sufficient for me. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Max Licato. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.